0: So this morning we're going to look at a passage uh, that is probably familiar with many of you uh, regarding rest in Christ. Uh, Having rest in Christ. Now, uh, physical rest is something that we're all really familiar with. It's something we all need. Um, You know, it's a good thing after a a day of, of working and, and sweating and grinding and, and pushing and pulling and lifting. and It's good to sit back in a recliner and, and just rest. Or, or mentally of problem solving and, and, and brainstorming and, and considering all the options and evaluating things. To, to be able to, at the end of the day, kind of keep back and clear the mind. It's a, it's a good thing. It's a needed. It's a necessary but there's another type of rest that we all desperately need, and that is spiritual rest. Uh, th- this type of rest is actually much more important than the physical rest we just mentioned. It's, uh, it's more satisfying than physical rest. It's, it's much more satisfying than, than a nap or, or a week at the beach or something like that. It's, it, it lasts infinitely longer than physical rest. It's a good and a perfect rest that is only found in a relationship with Jesus. Now, there's some things we we ask ourselves, we think about, and, and consider when we begin to talk about something like um, spiritual rest. That can be kind of a vague, hard to really abstract, hard to understand and to nail down um, but if we if we look at our text this morning in the context of it, um, we, we can definitely see here what spiritual unrest is, or, or the lack of spiritual rest. And, and it here we see it belongs to those who are convicted, who are burdened by their sin, those who are there's an inner anguish, there's a turmoil going on in in their minds and in their souls. Those who who dwell on, they're they're consumed by guilt and shame and and wickedness. You know, it's it's somebody that has has looked into their, their own heart and they found how vile and corrupt and unclean it truly is. On the other hand, they know that on one hand. On the other hand, they know something of the glory of God. And if it's radiance and majesty and purity and perfection, they know the justice that God requires and the punishment that must be executed against those who are not pure, as he is pure, and those who are not holy, as he is holy. And so to know those two things and to have no answer for it, there's no rest for the soul. And then you take it a step further. For those who, who know those things, they, they, they don't know any cure for it. And so they do the only thing they know to do, and that is to work. They know the judgment of God. They know the justice. And, and, and so they begin to, to work to try to dig themselves out of this sinful hole that they're in. And the more they work, and the more they do, and the more they seek to obey the law, the more they find that they they can't do enough to remove the sin and the wickedness from their soul. And so that they're spiritually weird. They're spiritually burdened, and downcast, and and exasperated, and exhausted. So that's, that's what it means to need spiritual rest. And so Jesus is going to speak in this passage to how to deal with that shame and that guilt. So let's look at this passage together. Please follow me, follow with me. Um, Chapter 11, starting in verse 25. It says, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly, And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And so as we look at these words of Jesus in this passage, we're going to see uh, three requirements, three, three things that must be present in order for us to find this true spiritual rest. Sorry. How about now? Good? All right. Um, So, three truths this morning. The first we're going to see is that of revelation. Revelation, we see it in uh, verses 25 to 27. And it's found twice, it's found two times in those verses. And the first time it's seen is in this prayer that we see Jesus praying in, in the first couple of verses, in 25 and 26. And he, he thinks the Father there that these things have been hidden from the wise and understanding, and yet they've been revealed to little children. And again, we, we see that the, the way this is worded, that what Jesus says here, these things, in, in verse 25, what, what is that referring to? What are these things? And so we, we kind of go back to the previous section and look at uh, the words of Jesus there. And it says in verse 20 that, that there Jesus was denouncing or he was reprimanding these cities where he had done all of these miracles. He had taught. He had preached. He had preached. Um, done many signs, many, many wonders there among the people, and they, they had seen it and they had heard it, and yet they did not respond. They did not repent of their sin. And so these things of verse 25 that are revealed by God include an understanding of the need for repentance. Also, these things include uh, the ability to, to see the works of Jesus. To, to recognize him as, as Christ. That, that leads to saving faith in him. Believe in him. Um, and, and Jesus says here these things have been hidden from the wise and understanding. And yet revealed to little children. The, the second instance of revealing that we have. Is found in the statement that Jesus makes in verse 27. Where he says that the son reveals the father to those who that he chooses. So knowing the Father, having a relationship with him that comes comes no other way except that the Son reveals him to those that he chooses. So we see then that that any spiritual rest that comes to a person must come first through a divine initiative. There's something that God must do to reveal himself And to reveal the truth of the gospel, the need for repentance to human beings. Uh, It's clear in scripture we'll never, of our own will, uh, we'll never decide to come to God. Romans 3, uh, quoting from Psalm 14 and Psalm 53, uh, Paul there writes that that no one seeks for God. There's nothing natural about seeking after God or believing the gospel. It it is supernatural. Um, and, And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So this, uh, th- this conviction of sin, this-, this understanding of the need for repentance, uh, the recognition of who Jesus is, it must come through this divine intervention in the heart of a person. Jesus, he speaks further about this later on in Matthew, and Chapter 13, he's explaining to the disciples there why he speaks in parables, and and this is what he says. Um, They come and they ask him why he does this, and he answers to them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Also, a little further in Matthew, when Peter makes his confession of who Jesus is, And he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responds to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So we see your God in his his perfect will, and for his own purposes, he he sovereignly chooses to reveal himself to little children. And, And there's so much about this. Our our finite human minds don't and and, and cannot understand. But there's one thing that we do see in in verse 26, and we see that this will of the Father is gracious. It's gracious. Here meaning it's not earned. It's God's good pleasure to do so. It's, um, he doesn't owe this revelation of himself to anyone. And yet, in his grace, in his mercy, and his desire to save, he does. He reveals himself. And so we see that that's where this spiritual rest begins with, with this divine initiative of revelation of, of God to those whom he will. The second point uh, that we see this morning is recognition recognition and by this, I mean our recognition of our sinfulness, and so the, the way this kind of fits together is this first point of divine initiative uh, of revelation then enables a person to know themselves to, to see themselves with with spiritual sight as they truly are they begin to see themselves for for what scripture says about them that they're Morally evil. They're, they're spiritually sick. Haters of God. Slaves to sin. All, all of these things that we read uh, of those who are separated from Christ in Scripture. And this recognition leads those who have, have received this revelation to, uh, to become like little children. Again, verse 25, when we see Jesus... Uh, Using this phrase, it does not mean here that that people who are intellectually gifted cannot see a need for repentance. It it doesn't mean that that those who have great minds can't see that Jesus is the Christ or have spiritual rest. That's not what Jesus is saying. The the phrase here, wise and understanding, uh, means something like, those who are wise and understanding and know it. it it's, a, it's a pride. They, they pride themselves on their wisdom and their knowledge. They're arrogant in their, their academic knowledge, their the worldly wisdom. And so we see here it says God doesn't reveal himself to such people. Rather, the Father reveals himself to little children or to babes or to infants at the end of the verse, and it's, it's a figure of speech, and it refers to those who are humble. It refers to those who are needy, and they, they know that they are needy. Those who look to the Lord to sustain them, to provide for them spiritually, just like a child relies on a parent to sustain them and provide for them physically. Um, earlier in, in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had, had told the disciples, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's the same idea, this idea of humility, of knowing that, that we're spiritually bankrupt, that we've got nothing that we, inside of ourselves that we bring to God to, to buy his love or, or earn his love or to earn his salvation. Um, we come to him poor in spirit. He also said, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. James writes, uh, 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 he's writing in the New Testament, but quoting Proverbs, he said, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so again, all of these verses, making the same point here, it's, It's those that realize that they don't have spiritual rest and that they cannot achieve spiritual rest through their their own knowledge and their own wisdom and their own efforts. It is those to whom spiritual rest then can be given. In verse 28, we see a similar thing. Jesus says um, it's those who labor, those who are heavy laden that come to find rest. Those who found they, they cannot work to earn salvation. They're carrying this this huge weight. They're very aware of their sinfulness. They're aware of of the righteousness and the holiness of God. It is those who in turn, they come to Jesus and experience true rest only found in him. Uh, Jesus illustrated this point in a very vivid way in in, uh, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And he said this, the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified." Rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And so we've seen this morning in this text, in order to experience this true spiritual rest that Jesus is talking about, there must be revelation from God, there must be recognition of sinfulness and need and lack of pride. And thirdly, this morning, what we see is it must be a response. There must be a response. And we see this in verses 29 and 30. There Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And it's so incredible how we see here. In in this one short text, we saw first, earlier, we saw this very um, specific call and revelation to individuals that that God uses um, to give them spiritual Sight and, and enable them to repent and believe. And here we see, at the end, we see this very general call of, of Jesus to all that, are, that labor and, and are heavy laden to come and to respond to this, this compassionate call that he makes to all who are heavy laden with guilt and, and shame and sin. Um, again, in this particular context, in, in the days... Um, of Jesus and the crowds that he's speaking to, um, this was uh, regarding the tradition of the Pharisees. Um, We see later in chapter 12 um, how they um, came and they got on Jesus and the disciples for um, violating their rules for the Sabbath. Um, And so... They had, they had introduced all these new extra things piled on top of the Old Testament law that, um, that, that had to be obeyed by the Jewish people in order to be right with God. Um, and so it, the idea is that they earned God's favor through doing these things, um, and, and they obey the rules. But it says later in Matthew Jesus says this, the Pharisees tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on the people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. And so we see the hypocrisy here of of, of the Pharisees, the way they're burdening, burdening their people and yet not following through themselves. But in contrast to that, we see here in chapter 11 that Jesus, in, in compassion in empathy, he's saying here, come to me, and I will give you rest. And so we want to know this morning what does it mean to respond to Jesus? What does it mean to come to him, as he says in these verses? And there's a, there's a verse in John 6, I think, that that helps us with this to understand what this means. There, uh, Jesus is speaking, and he says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And the reason this is helpful is because here, in this verse, what we see is parallelism, right? So you've got two different things that are saying the same thing. Two different ways of saying the same thing. So hunger and thirst here are synonymous. They they mean the, the, the same thing. And if that's true, then we see that come and believe are parallel and they mean the same thing. So so therefore, to come to Jesus is to believe in Jesus. To believe he's God the Son in human flesh. To believe that he lived a sinless life. To believe that he died for us and for our sins. And to believe that he, he rose on the third day in defeat of sin and death. And it is in that that coming to Jesus and believing in Jesus, that the weary and the burden find rest for their souls. But notice here, this is very interesting, that when we look here, spiritual rest does not equal spiritual laziness or spiritual sloth. Jesus says here, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So there's something here that... That to be done to, to find this rest in Christ. Those who desire this rest are to take his yoke upon them. And so what Jesus is talking about here is this wooden structure um, that is used, be placed around the neck of, of the oxen in order to, to plow the field. So wearing a yoke, plowing the field, that's work. But Jesus says that his yoke is easy. That his burden is light. So what we see here, Jesus teaching the principle, and this is very important to, to understand this, that, that good works do not produce salvation and rest in the life of the one who is weary and burdened. But the one who finds salvation and rest, from being weary and burdened, do produce good works. And yet, as First John says, these works are not burdensome. It's easy and light. Um, there's also in the imagery here of the yoke, this element of submission. right? The, the farmer owns the oxen. He uses the yoke to to steer and to turn them wherever he wants them to go. And so it is with the one who comes to Jesus to to find this spiritual rest. They totally submit to his lordship, to his ways, to his direction, to his leadership. And yet we know from scripture that this is where the, the paradox is found that it is in the submission that true freedom and rest are found. And so we've we've seen this morning, kind of looking at these verses and going through them, that that, again, true spiritual rest is found in, in revelation from God, recognition of sin and response then to this call of Jesus to come to him. And so what I want to do now is look at, Uh, kind of an application of this. And so, first of all, there's application here for those who are non-believers. Those that that have never experienced the the kind of rest in Christ that this is talking about. For for those whose hearts are are just weighed down with the weight of of guilt and shame and and disobedience to God. Um, You know, maybe it's, it could be, because of past poor decisions or, or mistakes that, that kind of haunt you in your mind, uh, times that you were, were selfish, and then that selfishness led to disobedience and, and to what you knew to be true, and, and in turn, you, you did a lot of damage, right, to, to yourself, to those around you. And so you carry that guilt day after day after day. Perhaps, it, it, on the other hand, it's in not doing something, That you should have done. Maybe because it was just more convenient to not get involved. And again, the the memory of that and the knowledge of that is something that that burdens you and weighs you down. When things are quiet and your mind isn't really occupied with with your job or responsibilities or or anything like that, it goes back to those instances. And the wrong decisions and, and the weight of sin and disobedience to Christ. And you, you think about these things and you dwell about them. And, and you've done everything, again, you know to do to make it right. By serving or volunteering or you know, paying it forward or attending church or giving money or, or anything like that. Hoping that, that, you're, that you're able to, to do enough to get rid of the burden. And you found that you can't. We see this morning Jesus in great love. Great compassion in this verse is saying, come. To me, there's a solution to this burden. There's a way to not be loaded down with shame. And if you're feeling any kind of inkling in your your heart this morning about that conviction for sin, if there's any stirring in your soul that you've sinned against, you've disobeyed, you've offended the holy and just God, then God is working and He's revealing that to you. He's doing something in you. The Bible is clear. It says, Jesus talking to His disciples says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For I do not go away the Helper, meaning God the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you, and when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So if if there is conviction there, and not not merely sorrow for the results of the consequences, but rather godly sorrow that you have offended him. God is working. And so the call to you from Jesus is come. To come to him, to repent of sin, to believe and trust in him. Believe the the good news, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, that Christ died for our sin, In accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So to submit our lives to him, and he gives rest. Rest from all the angst and the inner turmoil and the the strife and the exhaustion of of trying to deal with that weight and sin and guilt on your own. But again, there, there needs to be a caution here that life doesn't, just immediately become easy when that happens. Like we mentioned earlier, spiritual rest does not equal spiritual laziness. Taking Jesus' yoke on, him, on us means that we, we submit to him. We do what he commands us to do. Uh, one of Paul's, the, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, one of his fa- kind of favorite ways to introduce himself or talk about himself is that he calls himself a bondser or a slave. Of Jesus. But the thing of it is. The New Testament. It, it, it teaches us. We're, we're all slaves. To something. None of us are free. As non-believers. We're, we're slave to sin. We're under its power. We're under its control. It steers us. As believers. On the other hand. We're slaves to Jesus. And we take his yoke. Upon us, and in, in being his slave, we, we find this freedom. And so, he, he's this wonderful, kind, and compassionate master. And so, Jesus is telling here the unbeliever to come and find rest for your soul. Secondly, there's also application here for believers, for those of us who have at some point in time. In the past, we, we did initially, we, we repented and turned from our sin. We've, we've turned to Christ, believing the gospel to save us. we've been born again. and yet there's still times that we struggle with spiritual unrest. We, we get caught up in this idea of laboring to earn God's favor and to get rid of our sin. And we 've got to constantly come back and be reminded that that's not the way the Christian life worked we don't work to earn our salvation with him the Christian life is not about what we can do for God but what God has done for us but we so easily forget that got to remember that we were once saved by grace through repentance of sin through faith in Christ in, in our justification in that moment in time And we were born again, but we're also continually sanctified in our lives by our continued repentance of our sin. And our continued faith in Christ, day after day after day, that we find rest for our souls. And so, as believers, we also, we see, we we must continually come to Jesus. Continually take his yoke upon us continuously learn from him and in doing so we will continuously find rest for our weary and our burdened souls let's pray Father we thank you for the truth that you have presented in your word this morning we thank you that Father there is such a thing as as a way to set aside the burden Lord, the struggle that we have with, with indwelling sin, even as believers. And, and Father, that, that the way of rest is in faith in Christ. Lord, we pray that you would continue uh, today, this afternoon, this evening, and, and, and through the next week, you would continually, Lord, bring this truth to mind, Father, may we meditate on it. May you teach us and apply it to our lives. And so, Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.